Hello and welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshop.net. Episode 33, Reassess Posts of Responsibility. Hello, you're very welcome to another episode of If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshaw.net. This is Simon Lewis. Um, I'm This week I'm going to be looking at post-responsibility, or is that positions of responsibility? I can never really tell, maybe I should have checked. Um, but I have, I've thought about them for quite some time. Um, for those of you who aren't in the Irish education system, positions of responsibility, or posts of responsibility, I'm going to call them posts of responsibility, are promoted posts uh, that happen in Irish primary schools. I think they also happen in uh, secondary schools as well. But as you know, I focus on primary education in this podcast. They're basically middle management positions. And in primary schools, they used to be known as A posts. That's um, uh, And B posts. So A posts obviously are higher than the B posts. Um, now I'll go into a little bit of detail uh, about that in later, in, in, later, in, in, basically in a few minutes' time. Uh, anyway, before they got their fancy uh, new names, which are now Assistant Principal 1 and Assistant Principal 2, um, A and B posts uh, were basically additional responsibilities given to teachers, uh, such as uh, being in charge of minding CD players or uh, playing the piano at the Christmas concert. Um, in fairness now, some of the positions did have real merit and I'm only picking up a couple examples of a, maybe the less worthy uh, uh, and more trite positions of responsibility that were given. So when post responsibilities were rumoured to be coming back uh, with sweeping changes, basically there was a, a bit of a moratorium on uh, positions of responsibility in I think it was 2011 or 2012, uh, maybe a little bit before that again. Uh, basically, uh, the Department of Education during the recession basically said no more positions of responsibility uh, will be given um, so when somebody resigned or retired uh, like many people did uh, their positions weren't replaced um, so when uh, when this uh, when they basically were rumored to be coming back uh, which was a couple of years ago and they um, then I was getting a little bit excited and naturally um, when they did come back I was extremely disappointed because effectively post responsibilities were chopped in half of where they were before the before the moratorium and given uh, glossy new names basically that's all that happens they were only just given glossy new names they weren't uh, nothing really changed so in this episode i'm going to be exploring how we missed out on a decent chance to examine the value of post responsibility and if i were the minister for education i would reassess a and b posts while i wasn't celebrating um the moratorium on post of responsibility uh, as anyone wouldn't be i guess it was it was very disappointing i was eager to see what changes might have happened uh, when the union uh, inevitably hopefully anyway would have negotiated them back after the recession now when this happened i had two unpleasant surprises the first really i suppose and there's no other way to put it was the union's negotiating skills now, for those of you that don't remember, basically, um, the way the union managed to get to the negotiation table to get uh, to lift the moratorium on posted responsibilities, um, the union decided that they would threaten the Department of Education by basically saying, we will no longer do SSE. 
Ooh, I, I, I hear you say, I, I know, I know. Well, they said they won't do SSE anymore while the moratorium existed. Now, while the rest of the country didn't even notice the effect of SSE being whisked away, because uh, this, this actually happens, um, SSE, we were, we, we, we were told by, we were directed by the union to no longer engage in SSE. Um, which I find kind of funny. Well, uh, I, you know, I actually, um, the, I mean, just to go as an aside, I, I actually uh, find it astounding how SSE is now actually fully accepted as being the reason why our PISA scores have improved since 2012, even though it actually had nothing whatsoever to do with it. Um, you, you'll often hear politicians now, or generally the inspector, actually, I think there was uh, Harold Hislop, who's the current inspector, basically say, that SSE is directly responsible for improvement in our PISA scores. It, it, it actually isn't. Um, and, and, and I'm hearing a lot about it. I actually hear other, I think, in, I, I, think I had an inspector in, and who said that to me. Now, I didn't correct him at the time because I, I, I was being polite. But, I, uh, but if he said it again, um, I, I, I definitely would, would have to hold him up on it. Um, or anybody who says it. We, PISA scores going up have nothing to do with SSE. Nothing. Basically, um, Ireland's PISA scores, just, just for those of you who don't know, I'm sorry, I know this is an aside from the episode, but I, I feel it's important because it's sort of relevant. Ireland's PISA scores basically blipped one year. It was 2009. We, we, we had a bad year, basically. And our PISA scores basically went down in literacy. And, um, and not great in numeracy either. And basically, Rory Quinn um, decided the way to fix this was a literacy and numeracy strategy. Was a, he basically um, said, this is a crisis and we're going to be, um, instead of basically uh, doing nothing, we're going to be decisive and we're going to do something. And SSE was introduced uh, to schools basically um, about, a, about six months to a year later. There was training given and so on and so forth. And um, effectively, SSE came, uh, came in at about 2012-ish, um, just in time for the next set of PISA results to come out for literacy. And we were actually back to normal. Um, it was just a blip. In 2006, we were doing grand. 2009, we went right down. And 2011, we went. Uh, 2012, we went back to where we were. 2015, back to where we were, and so on and so forth. So basically, um, <coughs> um, you know, SSE didn't even have time to root itself. Um, Ireland's PISA scores re- recovered basically to their normal rating. Um, so really. You know, anyway, I'm digressing, as I said, I'm digressing. Yes, anyway, so I don't remember any newspaper. Um, now, I, I could be wrong here, but I don't remember any newspaper bemoaning these terrible whingebag teachers um, because they often bemoan us whingebag teachers for not, doing, for not doing a lot of things. But SSE is not one that I remember any newspaper taking a headline on any page of a paper, never mind the front page, basically, oh, those teachers are refusing to engage in SSE, such whingy teachers, what's wrong with them all? Well, because, you know, effectively nobody noticed. You know, it wasn't the biggest threat to be holding over the government. Um, but that aside, let's say it was, because, you know, we know that SSE really, I mean, to be honest with you, all SSE is, is just the start of a journey that we're going on uh, as an education system to make us more like the UK's education system. Because what the UK's education system is very good at um, is not education particularly, it's very good at designing fancy graphs to show improvement in education and f- and basically 
you know, doing it by any means. I remember um, Michael Gove, who was the Minister for Education or the equivalent um, in the UK, who basically wanted, wanted to ensure that everybody, every child in the UK would be above average. Um, you know, and he, he, was do, he was basically forcing schools to do various things um, with graphs and, and assessments to ensure that everybody was above average. Anyway, um, I, I presume at this stage you, you, you can see the weirdness of that. Um, but um, in Ireland, it looks like we're doing that. We have to display these fancy graphs. We basically, um, basically what we do is we, we, managed, we, uh, we, we basically have a target and we make all these uh, pre-tests and post-tests and fancy graphs to show uh, that we've, we've achieved our targets. I would be shocked. I would be absolutely shocked if I went into one school in the country where they didn't succeed in their SSE target. I, I, I would imagine we have a 100% success rate. And why do you think that is? Is because, our, number one, someone would say the targets aren't good enough. But number two, the thing is we're all just engaging this as a box-ticking exercise because we know it's nonsense. We're doing it anyway. Um, the whole thing is, you know, we, 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 we actually, we don't need SSE. It's a silly thing. It's, it's just this thing to keep people busy in jobs, main, mainly, namely inspectors and uh, the Department of Education who can basically say, oh, well, you know, if we look at uh, the results of SSE, the literacy and numeracy scores have gone up or down or, or, the, or the, basically no one's actually said anything because literacy and numeracy scores are probably the same as they ever were and SSE doesn't really affect it. Now we're using SSE for all sorts of other things instead of literacy and numeracy and now um, and, and really doing it for nonsensical stuff that makes no difference um, to, to, to anything. Um, <coughs> I am digressing away from positions of responsibility um, and talking a lot about SSE, but this was the bargaining tool um, but, uh, for, by the INTO. Basically, they said, if we, we are stopping SSE until you give us our post of responsibility back. So those crafty INTO negotiators really struck a powerful punch right in the guts of the government. And one day, kind of out of the blue, probably under extreme strain from the fact that SSE had not been done for a little while, the government caved in. Well done, Ian. Man, it was front page news. Oh my God, every single newspaper covered it in huge depth. Oh my God, some papers even dedicated their entire newspaper to the subject for that day. Some created even 16-page pull-out supplements explaining the ins and outs of the deal. If you think the Brexit negotiations right now have been tough, they, you haven't tried the SSE negotiations yet. You know. Anyway, sarcasm aside, the government didn't actually cave in. Of course they didn't. No. What they did was um, they gave back less than half, 48% exactly, of the posts of responsibility back to teachers. Uh, basically, all of the posts lost by small schools and very few of the posts lost by bigger schools. Because, and why do they do that? You know, because... Uh, why, 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 why do they give those back? Why do they give all the small schools all that and nothing to the big schools? Do you know why? Because it's a tactic that works all the time and it's a theme of this podcast all the time is divide and conquer works. You give one group something and you don't give the other group the other thing and then they fight amongst themselves and you go off until sunset going, you know, laughing or whatever, cackling maniacally or something like that i don't know if the word maniacally is pronounced that way i um i i i've got that pronounce pronunciation 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 from um the muppets uh, film uh, where someone where the evil character was maniacal ah, ha, ha, ha. um anyway um this um this i suppose um 
the INTO, as you can well imagine. I mean, I suppose I'm sure you can guess we're absolutely outraged by this half, less than half-hearted um, half deal. Um, I, I mean, it, I, I, they stormed out of the negotiation room. Like they, they didn't. St- they, 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 they really, really got angry, and they went. They busted their guts out of that room. They slammed the door behind them. Their beards twitching in agitation. Their brows wet with the angry sweat of anger. Their throats were parched from their shouting from those treetops or from the desk or banging their fists. No, no, of course they didn't do that. Within seconds, seconds of being offered this half deal, they immediately dropped the moratorium. Um, broke out champagne, probably. I, I, I mean, if, if a Twitter was anything to go by, uh, you know those emojis for, sham- for party poppers um, and champagne? It was like that. Uh, they basked in the delight of their amazing awesomeness, and they berated anyone stupid enough on social media who pointed out that this wasn't actually a very good deal at all. Now, I was one such idiot, I admit. I am an idiot. I made a simple spreadsheet displaying how many posts were still lost in every school according to its teacher size. Now, what I did was I copied the posts a school would have had before the moratorium in in one column of a spreadsheet. I then copied the posts a school would have after the moratorium in a second column. And then I subtracted column A from column B. Very complicated stuff. Yes, I, 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 I must say that's why I did my degree in computer science, I, I tell you, for, for Excel workmanship like this. Yes. So basically, if a school had two posts before the recession and then had three after the moratorium, well, then column C would have equaled plus one. And interestingly, interestingly, that, uh, the, the results in column C, which were the difference between the two, never actually were more than zero. That's, you know, there was, there was not a point where any school gained posts as a, because of this um, after the moratorium. Um, some schools got their posts restored, but no school gained more posts of responsibility after the moratorium. This was not a win. This was a partial restoration. And it is certainly not something one will be going out in the streets celebrating or even tweeting. Um, funnily enough, um, I tweeted this this Excel sheet, the results, the in a little graphic, um, and and funnily enough, a guy um, he was dressed in a red baseball cap on his Twitter profile. Uh, he deemed it fake news. Now it wasn't Donald Trump, but I was really proud nonetheless that a red guy in a red cap called something I'd written fake news. Um, anyway, more importantly though, well maybe maybe not more importantly, actually maybe the right word is moreover. Yes, moreover, the government ca- came up with some way to reassess the way positions of responsibility worked. Yeah, so basically, had they have come up with, the, uh, with, with, with this way, that's more important to me um, because that's, that's what this, uh, this is about. This isn't really about giving out about the INTO and their inability to negotiate a deal. This is... Um, we, we have to take the fact that we are, we're working on a 48% basis of positions of responsibility. So I suppose the thing, the other thing that I was kind of, I suppose a bit, I was looking forward to in a way was, okay, fine, we lost all these positions of responsibilities, there was a moratorium. We were always promised that when it came back, it would come back in a new um, way, in an innovative way, in a way that would make sense um, uh, for 21st century learning. Well, 
much like the revolutionary way that everything changed when the INTO and the IPPN changed principal release days to the brand spanking leadership and management release days, basically the same thing happened. A posts became unrecognizable with their lovely makeover. They wore a much more beautifully bureaucratic number and they became known as an AP1 position. B's posts slipped into a brand new costume as well, AP2. Sexy. Well, what about those wonderful categories? Administrative, curricular, and pastoral. For those of you who are not in Ireland or have no knowledge of post responsibility, they were divided into three things. You'd have administrative duties, curricular duties, and pastoral duties. Well, no, no, they were no good. They were too succinct, too easy to understand. Three became four, and they became known as domains. So now, positions and responsibilities have four domains. Now they have glorious, glorious Kafkaesque titles. Leading, teaching and learning. So that, that I, I actually understand that one, which is good. Uh, which, but, but it does sound like curricular. Um, is that not what teaching and learning is? Um, managing the organization. Well, that sounds like administrative to me a bit. Leading school development. That's the other one. And developing leadership capacity. And neither of those sound like pastoral. In any case, there is some sort of attempt to explain what they are, but ultimately when push comes to shove, there aren't enough of them and there is very, very little in the difference between them and the old A and B posts. Yes, if you were really, really going to push, it does move away from a system where posts meant doing extra jobs uh, to maybe a focus on leading the school's vision. So all the teachers have basically described their posts as you know, he's in charge of the CD players or she's responsible for the school books, have sort of been replaced with slightly more leadershipy roles, which, to be honest, do feel difficult to work with once you go past three or four of those roles. Um, I'll explain that in a bit. So inevitably, the posts are basically almost the same as they, as they were. And to be honest, I think we lost an opportunity. I think this was definitely a lost opportunity. And even if the INTO hadn't completely messed up the negotiations and... Um, you know, and got us the 100% of the post back in place, it was still a lost opportunity. We didn't get to, we didn't get to change the way post responsibilities really work. Inevitably, they don't really look in any way different to what they used to be. Anyway, I've, I, anyway, to be honest with you, all that aside, let's say, let's say everything, uh, let's say there was no moratorium, and let's say everything was as it was before the, before the recession. And um, I, I've always really had a problem with post responsibilities anyway. I never saw them as particularly useful in terms of what they were supposed to achieve. They basically seemed to only serve the purpose of being a bit divisive, to be honest with you, which I know suits certain, um, I suppose it suits certain people, it suits certain, certs, yeah, it suits certain, um, it suits certain um, organizations, uh, this divide and conquer kind of thing. And I, I, I kind of remember when I was teaching full time, uh, before I became a principal and I was teaching, um, when, it came, when it came to talking about this kind of thing, conversations between teachers with outposts generally went along the lines of, I can't believe how much work I'm doing for this school and I don't have a post. Oh, look at Mary. And remember, most teachers are called Mary. Should she does nothing for her post. So in fairness, these didn't, I mean, those, those kind of happened with B posts mainly. As I, remember. I never really heard people ex, uh, extending that vitriol towards A post holders um, because their jobs did tend to be more scarce. Uh, number one and possibly more leadership oriented if i if i remember correctly i never really remember hearing someone saying i can't believe mary because they're also called mary mary has a post uh, has has a, is doing this for her a post in fairness didn't really say because they, a lot of the time they were actually more leadership focused 
However, maybe I didn't even hear those conversations because I was lowly down there looking for a B post at the time, not an A post. Anyway, where am I going with this anyway? For me, if I were the Minister for Education, I probably wouldn't do anything particularly revolutionary. I'm not going to pretend like the government did or like uh, that, oh, we're going to revolutionise the posts of responsibility, so you'll be unrecognisable, they will be so innovative. No, no. I mean, I'm not going to do anything particularly revolutionary. Um, what I, my, my, my thing would be simply to remove one layer of the management. That's it. Just take one away. And that's the B posts or the AP2 posts as they're known. Um, or to put a more positive stance on things, what I would do is I would give every single teacher working in a school a B post. I'd keep A posts or AP1 posts. Um, there's just way too many leadership responsibilities not to. But I'd, give, I'd certainly give more of them and I'd structure them differently. So let me explain further. And no, before I begin, I don't expect anyone here to, to agree with me in any way, shape or form. I know most teachers believe there should be posts of responsibility. I'm saying I would get rid of B posts or AP2 posts. And that's where I'm going to start, the B posts. I believe every staff member working in a school should have responsibility for something within the school, whatever that might be. Now, it could be a curriculum subject. Um, it could be an administrative task. It could be anything that needs to be managed. And I think they should be paid for doing it because the job they'd be expected to do should happen outside of school and it should work out on an average of roughly 35 to 40 hours a year of additional work. Now, the easiest of these is, is obviously, uh, the easiest way to dole these jobs out is obviously being in charge of a curriculum subject, in my opinion. So if we took a school of 10 teachers and a principal, one might divide them into the following. So you could have your principal taking on a core subject like maths, deputy principal taking on another core subject like English, Let's say you had an AP1 or an A post, they might take on Irish, another core subject. And then the other seven positions in the school could take on the rest of the subjects. So two could might share the responsibility for the SESE subjects, two might take on the arts subjects, one might take on PE, one might take on the ethical education or probably religion for most of, most, most of you, and one might take on SPHE, including the various programs within that. So that's the RSC, Stay Safe, work, Walk Tall, Web Safety, all those kind of things. And these teachers would effectively become curriculum leaders in their schools in those subjects. It would be their job to lead the writing of these plans in these subjects, and they'd be in charge of purchasing and minding the resources in those subjects. They would be the go-to people in these subjects. They could and they should also provide training to their staff in those subjects and they might lead particular initiatives surrounding their subjects if that is appropriate. They might promote the subject in ways uh, in their school community even. However, the most important thing is that every single teacher in the school will be in charge of at least one subject. There is nothing stopping other staff members being in charge of certain areas either. For example, what about uh, a secretary being in charge of the critical incidents or attendance? How about the caretaker being in charge of health and safety? What about SNAs being in charge of behaviour or even aspects of special education needs in the school? However, there aren't that many schools lucky enough to have exactly the right number of teachers to cover all these subjects. And then there are some schools where teachers might not want to be in charge of particular subjects. Some schools might have more staff so other management jobs could be divided out. Um, schools will have their own needs, but how about a combination of things like, I don't know, some things like organizing sports in the school, organizing after school clubs, attendance management, helping families in financial difficulty, anti-bullying, all the various different colored flags, green, amber, yellow, and so on and so forth. How about schools that don't have as many staff then? Because we have all the ones that have lots of staff. What about the ones with less staff? 
fewer staff. For that, that basically, that's sixty percent of schools with less than eight teachers. Um, well, in this case, that comes down to priorities, in my opinion. In fact, I'd argue that even the big schools should prioritise. There's no point in trying to focus on all 11 curriculum subjects every year. That's, that's impossible. It's silly. I think you know, certain teachers in certain years would be busier than others. So in a small school, there might be things that have to be done every year without fail, such as looking after resources, dealing with attendance or special education needs or whatever. And then there's other jobs that can prioritise every so often, such as focusing on a particular curriculum subject on a particular year in terms of planning. So for example, you might pick English one year, Irish the next year, maths the next year on a three-year three year rotation, and then the non-core subjects on a seven-year rotation or eight-year uh, eight rotation. So every year there'd be a different um, uh, pri uh, priority. Uh, so, but I mean, as regular listeners to this podcast know, when it comes to small schools and me, I believe they can't all be independent private fiefdoms or fiefdoms um, either. So, I mean, one step uh, that, they, that small schools could do is they might actually share responsibility between small schools. Um, and I know that's a very difficult in terms of sharing resources or whatever, but sharing the management and planning of subjects is fairly easy. So, if you had about, you know, and you generally in an in a, in a area, you'll have four, three or four minimum small schools in, a, in an area how about dividing the teachers there into particular subject areas and they would provide training to, to the cluster of schools and this would be a, you know i suppose a step along the way to my solution to the small schools idea but ultimately look i'm looking at a big schools what they can do medium-sized schools what they can do and small schools in terms of posts so there would be no b post just every single teacher would have a post of responsibility and yes yes they would get paid for it so everybody would get a B post and basically means, uh, I suppose what I'm saying is everyone should have a B post, which also means no one should have a B post. It should just be part of your job. Um, but I do believe um, you should get paid for it. If you, are in sh if you are doing extra work outside of school, you should be paid for it. And I mean, there's, there's ways of looking at that. I guess what we could do is we, 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 we have these Croke Park hours as they're known. Uh, they equal about 38, 39 hours a year. I, I, I would honestly scrap them and um, I would uh, give them as the, uh, that, that would become basically your B post. So if we're not going to pay people, if we're going to have to do these extra hours, well, I think we should give, give, uh, give scrap them for what they're being used for right now. And every, every teacher could use those uh, 30, 37, 38 hours to uh, focus on their curriculum subject, provide the training, and so on and so forth. I, I don't think it's a bad use of it. However, preferably, they would get, um, they would get paid um, for uh, fulfilling the role of a post holder. Um, it, would make, it would make sense to me. Um, moving on to the more senior post of the A post or the AP1 post, I do think AP1 uh, positions are needed, but I do think they need to be defined. Um, examples of uh, defined uh, responsibilities, uh, DLPs, so the Designated Liaison Person for Child Protection, uh, Attendance, uh, Special Education Teaching Coordinator, uh, Technology or ICT, uh, and so on. There's loads. I mean, there's, there's, there's loads and loads of uh, responsibilities. They do need to be leadership roles, not curriculum subjects, in my opinion. I think everyone should have a curriculum subject, but this is stuff that would be leadership stuff, stuff that a principal generally needs to do. So, you, so basically, a principal doesn't need to sign off on absolutely everything or have absolute responsibility for everything. There can be actual senior members of staff who can sign off on behalf of the school for certain things. 
such as child protection, such as attendance, such as technology. And it doesn't need to always go back to the one person in charge at the top, uh, this hierarchical structure. They need to basically, um, as I said, be things that traditionally would have been dumped on a principal's desk. And the principal has to decide what areas are to be distributed to his or her uh, deputy principal and eight post holders. And these people then are completely in charge of these areas and they're let to be allowed to be lead to lead on them. Um, sure, the principal is there as the, as, the, as the general leader of the school, but, um, and, and yes, we all have to report to each other and all that kind of stuff, but it's about reporting to each other rather than reporting to a principal. I think, I think we have to move away from that uh, model. I think these areas should require a reasonable amount of time every week to do. I don't want to put an exact figure on it, um, but whatever they're paid now uh, for an APOS, they should be paid, um, and probably more. They should be paid better than they currently are. I don't think it's worth most people's while doing an APOS. Um, basically, we need to have a system where there's a principal, a deputy principal, a few AP1s, which now could be simplified to assistant principals rather than AP1 and AP2, because we're getting rid of AP2s, which would have, they would have the leadership roles and management roles, and then every other member of staff would have some sort of management role. I, I believe that's a far better system than the one we've been left with. In fact, one could almost argue, I think, maybe, and I could be wrong on this, that's kind of what the Department of Education have kind of done in a sneaky way by providing so few posts of responsibility, these AP2 posts and AP1 posts. If one looks at the newly branded posts, there's far, far fewer of them and the roles are all leadership ones. There are no management ones. And anyone without a position responsibility is actually expected to row in, except without the need to be paid. Now that's if you look at it now, if you have a read of the thing, like the people with the posts, right, are being asked to lead on these things. Now, who are they going to delegate their work to? Well, people without these positions of responsibility. So effectively what we've done is, we've, what the government have done is they've shifted the grades down a little bit in terms of importance. What I would be suggesting really is that the AP, the, that the current AP2 posts are really AP1 positions and then AP2s are everybody else. Everyone in the school has to work for the school. We get that. I totally understand that, and it absolutely is a, is, is the right way of doing it. But give people, get, recognize that in a contract. Recognize that as someone's role. Because at the moment, a teacher is not recognized for doing anything outside of their teaching job. Nothing. And I believe if you, if part of being a teacher was also managing, the, uh, being part of the management of the school, um, I think um, it would be a very positive thing. I think what the government have done is probably done that, but in a much sneakier way so they don't have to pay people. Now, while this podcast is called If I Were the Minister for Education, just for a second, I'm going to rebrand, just kind of like we rebranded A posts and B posts to AP1 and AP2 posts, I'm going to rebrand the show to If I Were the INTO. In fairness. I don't think much would really change, if I'm honest, given their unusually close relationship. However, if I was the INTO, and before you say, we are the union, or you are the union, please, please, just think before you trot out that line and examine one thing that your involvement in the INTO has, has done to change anything in the last decade in terms of what the leadership has done. And if you still think you are the union, then you're either part of the leadership or you're extremely naive, in my opinion. Anyway, if I were the INTO, I would take this circular, the circular basically that created AP1 and AP2 posts, and rather than crumple it up and throw it in the face of whatever minister is in front of me, I would get my red pen out 
and I would join the AP1 and AP2 posts post together and I would call them assistant principal positions. Then I would ask the government for more money for those positions and next I would advocate that every teacher in the country would have an added responsibility <coughs> which would be absorbed as Croke Park hours and then I would go looking for money for those hours which we have all done for free for almost the last decade. So basically what I'm doing is I'm setting, I'm looking at the current circular, I'm bringing together the a a AP1 and AP posts into AP posts and basically every teacher then gets to be a, an, uh, gets to be a have a have a sort of a management position and basically we do them for the Croke Park hours and then the INTO if I was the INTO I would make sure then that they start paying us for those extra hours that we've done for free and basically if the government refused to do it I wouldn't only tell them where to go with SSE because nobody cares about SSE. I'd also take back everything else we've added to our workloads during the recession. Drihid, SEAA, any dealings whatsoever with TUSLA except a reported child protection concern, POD and so on and so forth. I would, uh, that is what I would do if I were the INTO. I'm going back to being, back to the normal podcast. There's very, very little point in having too many layers of management in any body, least of all a school. Posts shouldn't be awarded for extra jobs they need to be there for leadership positions. There isn't really a point in half the staff having posts, in fairness. I don't really agree with that. So ultimately what I'm saying is if I were the Minister for Education, I'd get rid of B posts and I'd make all teachers have B posts. I would also take all the current posts, whether you're an AP1 or an AP2 uh, post, and make them all assistant principal posts. And yes, I would pay everyone accordingly for those for those roles. There is no point in the government coming, uh, coming about with rebranding these uh, positions uh, with uh, A posts and B posts with these new names or changing them to more bureaucratic names like domains and things like that um, and making no changes whatsoever. It, 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 I know it, it sounds good, it ticks a box, it makes people sound good and all that kind of stuff, but ultimately we really, really need a good management structure in schools for them to work. We do, we already know that everybody in a school no matter what their position goes way beyond the call of their of their actual i suppose duty for for is is probably i mean literally and through the cliche of going beyond the call of duty there our duties as teachers is to teach anything we do after that is going above that and that needs to be recognized as the new part of a teacher's duty i think the croke park hours initially are the place to give everybody um, a position of responsibility and then I feel the INTO should negotiate payment for those croak bark hours. We've done them for free while we had no money, now it's time that we get paid for those extra hours that we, we've decided that we would do. I'd also scrap the idea of having AP1 and AP2 posts, it doesn't make any sense, just the system principal positions are fine. It doesn't make, as I said, it just doesn't make sense to have to have so many, uh, to, to, to have these two different layers when effectively we're all more or less doing this i mean yes there's more to do in an ap1 but it doesn't necessarily need to be that way so effectively if i were the minister for education that's kind of what i'd do um i wonder what you think i i'd be very i'd be very eager to hear uh, whether you think this is an, a good idea um i've talked myself into thinking it's a good idea as i'm going through it um it reduces layers of bureaucracy layers of um I find layers in an, in an organization just create um, bitterness um, to the layer above you. So you've got your principal, your deputy principal, you've got your AP1, you've got your AP2, and then you've got everybody else. That's five layers in, in organizations that don't really need them, especially in schools where there's so few teachers. Um, you know, in some schools, if you have a six teacher school, do you, do you have this weird situation where you have five layers uh, within a very small, uh, within a small school? It doesn't make sense. So cut out 
this the one of the middlemen positions uh, would be my thing and that's basically what i would do if i were the minister for education on next week's episode i'm going to be focusing on our youngest learners and i'm going to be suggesting primary schools it might be time to lose junior and senior infants from primary education you're gonna to have to hear me out on this one next week it isn't as extreme as you might think um, I won't go into any details, but you can check out a preview by going to onshaw.net slash 034 and uh, have a read of my thoughts. Um, I'll be eager to hear, as I said, any thoughts you might have before the episode or before I record the episode, more importantly, um, because uh, I'd, I, I'd like to answer any questions people might find. But basically, if I were the Minister for Education, my plan would be to lose infants from primary school. I hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to tune in every Wednesday morning just in time for the midweek slump. It is almost sure to get your blood boiling whether you agree with me or not in the podcast. This podcast can be found on all the regular uh, big big uh, podcasty stations, iTunes, Spotify and all the other apps that are out there by searching for either onshaw.net or if I were the Minister for Education. And I'd really, really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast so each new episode will be available to you immediately after its release. Please, if you wouldn't mind, also feel free to review the podcast so others can find it more easily. That is it for this week. I hope it was um, interesting to you. It's only a small idea, I guess. It's not... Uh, I didn't claim it to be revolutionary, but I do think it, it may be um, a way to kind of, I suppose, have a, have a bit more of a thought and simplify our, um, the layers of bureaucracy that we find in our education system possibly by accident I don't know where A and B posts came from in the first place um, but we certainly don't need um, too many layers of management uh, I, I don't think anyway anyway you can please uh, let me know your thoughts and uh, I'll see you next week um, next Wednesday with our episode on scrapping infants and thanks a million for listening all the best bye bye